We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. As the man says, we like to keep you up to date on what's going on elsewhere around the conference, and this is definitely a good example of why we do the show because it does come back to the war and I for what happened this past weekend elsewhere in football alone, but a full recap of the second round of the NCAA men's soccer tournament as the bulls were one of four teams from the league still going and the last team knocked out of the women's soccer tournament was Memphis last night. But wow, what a push the tigers put into Arkansas. One of the best teams in the country. We'll give you all those details. Volleyball is coming down to the last week, a, Big-time epic match is scheduled to end the season as far as conference volleyball goes. And, of course, basketball with a lot of results and a lot of teams playing in various events. So let's begin with football. And, yeah, UCF went from being in control with the win. They'd be hosting the conference championship game pretty much no matter what to now they need to beat the Bulls and get help elsewhere. Why? Because they blow it at home against Navy. 17 to 14. The midshipmen ran for a little under 250 yards and did not complete a pass and won the game. How did that work out? Well, they took advantage of their few chances to score and took a lot of time off the clock when they did. And their defense got some key plays, including by one particular defensive lineman. But Navy started off the game actually winning the coin toss and choosing to go first, which is something they rarely do. And it was the right move. They did the whole well, Navy scoring drive thing, including a fourth and one for the touchdown. They were not going to kick a field goal from the one-yard line, and they scored 7 nothing. UCF took some time itself on the clock, but had to settle for two short field goals. So that was the difference. It was 7-6 to six Navy after the second said field goal. Midshipmen take over for what was their third possession with 8-20 in the half. And again, they converted third and six with an 11-yard run, third and one. A fourth and two with two and a half minutes to go in the half. And they would score on an eight-yard touchdown run, of course, with 90 seconds left. It was 14-6, to six, and that's where it stayed at the half. The great John Reese Plumley got replaced by Mikey Keene, and UCF was all about it because they would quickly score to tie the game, went for the two-point conversion, and 90 seconds into the second half, it was 14 apiece. Then the midshipmen go three and out. But John Marshall mentioned a certain defensive lineman would have a huge game. Sacks Mikey Keene. They recover the fumble at the UCF 34-yard line. And even though the Knights held them to a field goal, Navy took the lead. Three and out for UCF. Another stop for the Knights. But next drive ends. Third and six at the Navy 33. Again, Marshall sacks Keene. So even though Navy really didn't do much offensively in the second half, UCF just had the one drive and that was it. Turns out their last gasp was a drive that started with nine minutes to go. They could not convert with six minutes left on the Navy 43. They went for it on fourth down and Navy ran out the last five minutes and 55 seconds. And again, did not complete a pass, only attempted one. And if you're wondering, had they ever done that before? Try eight times in Kenny Matalolo's era at Navy. They're eight and one without completing a pass. But for this case, UCF, again, goes from being in first place, having wins over both of the teams that came into the weekend tied for first place, and therefore controlling not just finishing in the top two, but hosting the championship game because they'd have the tiebreaker assuming they win out. Well, now, even if they beat the Bulls, 
they need help, namely from either the voters or from Tulsa. We'll get there in just a second, but it's clear cut as to one part of it now, whereas UCF was the team that was looking like it was going to host, it now is definitely going to be the winner of the Black Friday game between Tulane and Cincinnati because those are your two remaining teams on one loss in the conference, and they play each other, so the winner obviously is alone in first place. The loser of that game will be on two losses. Houston and UCF both have two losses right now. Houston stayed in the running with a thorough win at East Carolina after giving up 77 points in a loss at SMU and then giving up 486 passing yards to Temple despite winning the game. What do you think Houston was going to have happen to it at East Carolina, whose quarterback is the leading touchdown thrower in conference history, Holt Nailers? Of course, Houston wins 42 to three. Just astonishing. Clayton Toon was 32 of 44 for 435 yards and four touchdowns. Tank Dell, nine catches for 178 yards. But really, you got to look at it. The defense was a story limiting Aylers to less than 200 yards. So Houston, like I say, stays in the running. Meanwhile, Cincinnati and Tulane set themselves up with different sorts of wins. Tulane destroys SMU on Friday night, 59-24. to And then Cincinnati didn't exactly roll up a bunch of yards against Temple, but the Owls got slowed down big time in Philadelphia by the Bearcats. Only 202 yards of offense for the Owls, and the Cincinnati Bearcats win it 23-3. to So again, Cincinnati Tulane winner is the host of the championship game, and then the loser still has a chance, but will need Houston to beat Tulsa. Why is that? Because the Cincinnati two-lane loser, if Houston loses to Tulsa, will be maybe just tied with UCF and both those teams, Cincinnati and Tulane, lost to the Knights. First of all, the Knights have to beat the Bulls, then really hope that Houston gets knocked off by Tulsa, which is possible. But let's say UCF wins, Houston beats Tulsa, and then you'd have a three-way tie between those two teams and the Cincinnati two-lane loser. It would simply come down at that point to, like I said, the voters, whoever has the highest ranking. Right now, just by results, it seems like the Cincinnati two-lane loser, whoever it is, would still be ranked ahead of UCF, and therefore you could have a situation where you have a rematch in the next week. But the long and the short of all of it is UCF went from being in great shape to being on edge. And the shame for UCF is, of all the teams they could be tied with, they've beaten Tulane and Cincinnati but didn't play Houston. Houston will not have a win over any of the teams it could be tied with because it lost to Tulane, but due to the rules, you'd have a three-way tie involving Houston, and since the Cougars didn't play every team in the tie, it would go to that ranking. So if you really dig into it, Houston's only function is to keep UCF out of the championship game because the Cougars likely have no shot of being ranked ahead of Cincy or Tulane. So really, if you're UCF, You blew it because you lose, and then Houston doing what you couldn't do to East Carolina, which is beat the Pirates, and doing so soundly, again, doesn't put Houston really into the running for making the title game, only serves to keep UCF out of it. It's too bad if you're UCF. It's it's too bad. Actually, it's not completely bad because good news is when the college football rankings come out, unlike last week when UCF tweeted, you know, why aren't we ranked higher, basically, they don't have to worry about that this week. Now, the player of the week, obviously, on defense was John Marshall. He had those four sacks offensively. Got to give it to Michael Pratt, the two-lane quarterback, who in that route of SMU 
was 9 of 14 for 141 yards and three scores and also ran for three TDs. The crazy thing is, on the other side, Tanner Mordecai attempted 25 more passes but threw one fewer touchdown and a couple of picks. Special teams honor Cincinnati's Ryan Coe, who kept adding to their lead with three field goals. Honor roll, our own Byron Brown. How about that? Along with Daba Fofana, a sophomore fullback from Navy, went for 114 against the Knights. Tank Dell, we mentioned. Memphis receiver Eddie Lewis, they out of conference routed North Alabama. He had 155 all-purpose yards, and the Tulsa running back, Eric Prince, also on the honor roll. Well, the second round of the NCAA tournament was quite something, including the unofficial American versus American East challenge, but let's go back to last Thursday since we did not do a show on Friday and mention the Memphis Tigers showed they deserved a spot in the tournament, taking a very good St. Louis team ranked 20th in the country to overtime, but losing that one 4-2 to again. No sudden death over time, the whole idea being you play a full 20 minutes, and that way the idea is people don't you know, get too conservative, worried about giving up a goal and having their season end, so the push forward, and St. Louis was able to score both in the first and the second overtime for the 4-2 to win. Then on Sunday night, four teams in the league, the three national seeds all getting the first round by. As you know, the Bulls, the fourth team lost, but Tulsa and FIU both win in thrillers. Tulsa really had a difficult challenge in Georgetown, which by ranking should have been a national seed, but wasn't. So Tulsa battled for a one nothing win, getting the goal in overtime. And how about this? Instead of what they would have assumed, I'm sure, the Golden Hurricane having to go to second-ranked Washington in the third round, get to stay at home thanks to Creighton stunning the Huskies last night. Now Creighton's been on quite the run, but two late goals for a 3-1 win, and Tulsa gets to stay at home and play the Blue Jays in the third round, which is not until this weekend. SMU certainly looked like it was third round bound with an early goal and a 2-0 halftime lead, but Vermont stunned the Mustangs in rainy, cold Dallas last night, 3-2. Very hotly contested tying goal. It looked like off a corner kick, a Vermont player basically crashed into the SMU goalkeeper, preventing him from being able to get to the ball. And then Max Murray, their six foot five forward, took a rebound of a header off the crossbar and tied it up. And then again, off of a corner kick action, SMU, Garrett Lilly gets credited with the goal, but it looked like it was going to go wide, and an SMU player deflected it into his own net. So a stunning end to the season for SMU. So Tulsa advances, so does FIU. Told you about SMU playing Vermont. The other America East team was New Hampshire and a really good one. And what an incredible game this was. It went two hours late because of rain. I mean, it was torrential. The field was terrible. It was just going to be who could slosh through this one the best. And well, through 90 minutes, it was one apiece. And you had own goals for both teams. FIU scored early and was knocking on the door in the second half off a corner kick. Basically, an FIU failed clearance just skidded through the slick grass right into the goal. Then in overtime, even worse of an own goal if you're the other team, FIU takes the lead as you, as a New Hampshire player was trying to clear the ball. He slid and just knocked it right into his own goal. However, with two minutes to go, Rory O'Driscoll A great free kick for New Hampshire, and the match is tied. New Hampshire, by the way, came in 15-4 and to this contest. So, penalty kicks, the rain had stopped, but the field was not in good condition, and it was astonishing. 12 rounds, 
UNH was going first, got stopped, then FIU got stopped. And oh, by the way, in the always somewhat risky move, the FIU coaches decided to go with their better penalty kick goalie. So Matt Levy, cold off the bench, was your PK stopper, and he stopped the first one. But then both teams scored in the next eight rounds. Now, mind you, New Hampshire was going first, so every time, once it got to round five, FIU was in do-or-die territory, and they converted essentially five straight times with their season on the line. So it was eight apiece going into round 10 when New Hampshire gets stopped, but then FIU, which again had come through in the clutch, can't convert. I put out a video today of the New Hampshire players' reaction. There was smack talk, and it was through 10 rounds, still eight apiece. Both teams scored in the 11th round. Then New Hampshire shoots wide left, and FIU converts a crazy, crazy win for the Panthers. Talk about the luck of the draw, though, while, again, Tulsa gets to stay at home. Tulsa as the 15th seed. FIU, the champion of the league and the better seed, 10, has to go on the road because, well, the seeding's held on the other part of their bracket, namely 7th-ranked Duke won its Sunday night contest, beating Denver 3-1. to So Duke-FIU will be Sunday afternoon. All of the Sweet 16 games are this weekend. Saturday night is when Tulsa will host Creighton. On the women's side, both the teams in the conference saw their seasons come to an end this weekend in penalty kick shootouts. UCF technically only lost two games all year because their AAC final loss to Memphis was in a penalty kick shootout, which technically does not count as a loss. And then on Friday night, they took the number one seed, UCLA, to PKs. Actually, the Knights scored first in the first half, but Bruins evened it up three minutes later. Caroline allowed nine saves as UCLA got up 27 shots through regulation and overtime. But it was an immaculate penalty kick shootout for UCLA, converting all three of its chances, stopping the Knights on all three of theirs. So UCF, season coming to an end, UCLA easily defeated Northwestern yesterday to advance to the national quarterfinals where they'll be at home again against Virginia. In fact, all four number one seeds are in the quarterfinals, the others being FSU, Alabama, and Notre Dame. In each case, their opponent will be either the two or the three seed in their region, but boy, to Memphis almost become an unseeded team. They've had years where they either won the conference tournament or the regular season and then got KO'd in the first round. This time, they were under the radar after a slow start, and they made it to the Sweet 16 for the first time in Memphis history. Remember, they beat the two seed in their region, St. Louis, to start, then on Friday night, hammered Mississippi State, then last night went up against the third-seeded Arkansas Razorbacks. Down 2 nothing. Memphis tied it before halftime. Razorbacks took the lead with about nine minutes to play. Memphis tied it up late. Now, they were playing for penalty kicks. They did not try a shot in the 20 minutes of overtime. And then in the shootout, Arkansas wins 3-2. to two. Still a great year for Memphis. Basketball here for you. First of all, Houston is up to number two in the country, and Marcus Sasser was the player of the week in the league. Three games, averaged more than 18 points, nearly five boards as well. 20.6 dimes against Texas Southern. Then the big win on Sunday night as the Cougars go to Oregon and come away with a relatively easy 66-56 victory. Also a great couple of games for UCF at the Bahamar event in Nassau. First of all, down 24-7. to They came back and beat Oklahoma State in overtime, put them in the championship game on Sunday against Santa Clara, which the Knights win 57-50. Remember last year when the West Coast Conference got 
three teams into the tournament could have gotten a fourth. Either Santa Clara or BYU were considered pretty good, so that's a nice win for the league. Also this weekend, Tulsa destroys Loyola in its first game at that event in Myrtle Beach, but then loses to future conference opponent Charlotte by three and then drops the third-place game to Murray State 77-60. to Murray State had lost on a buzzer beater to UMass, a future Bulls opponent this season, by the way, and UMass would defeat Charlotte in the championship game. 60 to 54 at that same event, Texas A&M, which was the team that you know griped about not being in the NCAA tournament last year. Well, they got beat by Murray State, lost to Colorado 103 to 75, and then avoided last place by beating Loyola. A lot of interesting events this time of year. And then you just have straight up home games like Memphis, very impressive against VCU 62 to 47. Former SMU standout Kendrick Davis scored 26 for his new team. Speaking of SMU, it got a home win against Evansville on Saturday, 55-47. Other action included Temple playing at that Hall of Fame event in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun and defeating Rutgers 72-66. So Temple's beaten Nova and Rutgers this season. And then flashing back to last Thursday and Wednesday to some degree as we did not do a show Friday Notable results, Wichita defeats Richmond on the road. Remember, Richmond won the A-10 tourney last year. Also, a little surprising that Cincinnati falls to its rival, Northern Kentucky, on the road, 64-51. to Mentioned Sasser was the player of the week. Freshman honors go to UCF's Taylor Hendricks in their 3-0 week. He averaged nearly 14 points with 6.3 rebounds and nearly two blocks a game. And a lot of games going on as we speak today. Tulane is in the Cayman Islands. East Carolina is actually playing in the men's version of the Gulf Coast Showcase, which started today. So we'll have a lot to go over on Wednesdays around the American. On the women's side, hey, look who is the player of the week in the conference. That would be none other than Elena Chinecki. Get ready for a lot of Chinecki highlights on Tuesday's Bulls beat. And Carla Brito, for the second time, is the freshman of the week. So two weeks, two sweeps of the major awards. As far as the Other teams on the court, no one else is undefeated outside of UCF, and the Knights have only played two games. They'll be at home tomorrow against Louisiana Monroe. Some nice wins for the conference over the last handful of days. Wichita State by 22 over Oral Roberts. Memphis has destroyed a couple of teams, 76-51 against Miami of Ohio. And then on the road Saturday, put down a 94-49 result against SIU Edwardsville, same day that Wichita beat North Texas being down 16 at one point. Houston had a nice go, but lost at home in overtime to Florida State. Sunday, Temple pushes Nova, but loses on its home floor, 74-71. Tulane, 90-51 win on SMU. Tulsa beats Oral Roberts, 92-77, and East Carolina holds down Charleston Southern. 64-31, as we wrap it up, volleyball, it's all setting up for the last match of the regular season to decide the regular season champion is Houston is 27 and 2 overall 18 and 0 in the conference UCF 25 and 1 17 and 1 SMU will be your third place finisher we will see Houston in the corral at one o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. And at this taping, I'm telling you, I will do the match live on Bulls Unlimited unless we are taping the football radio show. We'll have more details on that for you tomorrow on Bulls Beat. That'll wrap up our conference show. Thanks for checking it out here on a Monday afternoon. I'm Derek Sharp.